Hello and welcome to this episode of Travel Stories from the Back Again and Gone podcast, being recorded on January 27th, 2020, in the beautiful Hampton Inn and Suites, Duluth, Georgia. Tonight, we're talking about the Waffle House and the Business Traveler. Thanks for listening. Hello. If you're a new listener, welcome. If you are a returning listener, welcome back. So I'm in Duluth, Georgia for a few days where the temperature is a crisp 42 degrees. And currently I am not patient zero for the coronavirus or as people are now calling it, the Kong flu virus. We've got a couple people down at Chateau Relaxo. So I managed to get out of town and avoid most of the sickness. Last week was a quick three-day Florida road trip down to Sarasota for a night and then up and over to Jacksonville. Last week, the temperature dipped into the 30s, and when that happens, there is a propensity for the Florida iguana to uh, fall into some sort of a comatose state and begin falling out of trees. This, of course, is great fodder for the local news outlets to post pictures of stunned baby Godzilla's. And if you put them out on the sidewalk, they usually warm up and come back into a conscious state within a few minutes. I think some people were cooking them up, frying them. I don't know how you fix iguana. I'm sure somebody will tell you it tastes like chicken. We also had the python roundup in the Everglades over the weekend where I think they pulled in about 50 snakes. So as Joe Rogan once said, Florida is basically a real-life Jurassic Park. The only real meal worth noting last week was at Bono's Barbecue in Jacksonville. Typical barbecue place, you could smell the smoke as soon as you opened the car door. And as you got closer to the front door, the uh, scent did nothing but intensify. My order was a very simple dozen smoked chicken wings plain with the plan to use all of the different sauces available to me to kind of slather up and... uh taste each one of the, the sauces as it uh, encased the smoked wings. And the wings were huge. I was surprised at the size of them. They were probably some of the biggest wings. Now, typically when you do tend to smoke wings, they do plump up a little bit, but they were huge. And a plus was they served cheer wine. If you're not familiar with cheer wine, I believe that Four Rivers Barbecue which is, I think they've got one down as far south as Coral Springs, and there is one up in Jacksonville. I know there's one in Orlando. There's a couple in Orlando. Uh, they happen to serve cheer wine as well, one of the greatest sodas, in my opinion. It's kind of a black cherry cola mix. And definitely do not spill it on white formica because it will stain the hell out of it. Now on to tonight's topic, Waffle House and the Business Traveler. For many of us in the South, the Waffle House is a staple. It is the butt of jokes, such as what has four breasts and two teeth. Well, that's the midnight shift at a Waffle House. It's often referred to as the awful waffle, but it's still a great place to eat. If you've never eaten at a Waffle House, you're truly missing out. For the most part, they are open 24-7, 365, which means you can start your day there with fresh waffles at 6 a.m., 
And you can also end your day there at 2 a.m. with more waffles and a side of hash browns in hopes of absorbing some of that alcohol from the third bar that you should not have gone to. Possibly you've dined at a Huddle House. It's not the same, not even close. Yes, both were started in Georgia. Both are open 24-7. Both serve breakfast all day. However, a Huddle House serves fried mozzarella sticks. And while fried food is a southern staple, mozzarella sticks are not. You know, following alongside the My Cousin Vinny line of no self-respecting southerner uses instant grits, well, I'm here to tell you that no self-respecting Southerner orders fried mozzarella sticks at a 24-7. That order is reserved for one of those fancy restaurants like an Olive Garden. And to top that off, I've never been part of a pre-meeting meeting at a Huddle House. For the unaware, every meeting bursts a smaller pre-meeting without all the non-essential people in it. And if you think it doesn't happen, I have some bad news for you. So like I said, Waffle House was started in Georgia. Their corporate office is in Norcross, Georgia. At one point, my office was probably about two miles from there. And just down the street from there was this wonderful, now-closed, defunct Mexican restaurant called Lupita's. And I would say I had been eating lunch at Lupita's for probably 20-plus years. I think I first started going there in 1990 when I moved and I want to say they closed down about four or five years ago. The servers all knew us by name, knew our standard order, and they delivered what I called QHT, quick, hot, and tasty. I know for a fact that one of the waiters there probably served me for at least 15 of the 25 years that I was there. One of his kids went to school with my kids. My go-to at Lapitas was the Speedy Plate. Never trust a Mexican restaurant that doesn't offer a Speedy Plate. And the backup to that was the chicken bur burrito. And on almost every single visit there, Waffle House executives were there eating as well. So for us, we always kind of use that as a barometer. If it was good enough for the Waffle House guys, it had to be good enough for us. Now, a little bit about Waffle House. When you take a look at their numbers, they're somewhat staggering. I mean, currently, there's only about 2,100 locations in the U.S. By comparison, there's about 14,000 McDonald's in the U.S. If you laid all of the Smithfield bacon that Waffle House serves in a year end-to-end, -end, it would wrap around the equator over 25,000 miles of bacon. So this episode is going to have a lot of side stories to it, and here's a quick Smithfield side story. About 15 years ago, I had a project at Smithfield Foods, which is located in Smithfield, Virginia. Smithfield, if you're not familiar, they produce bacon, ham, and, get this, Nathan's Hot Dogs. For all you Northerners, Nathan's Hot Dogs is owned by Smithfield. And at the time, Smithfield was a very small town, so small that they really didn't even have any local hotel chains. I stayed at this wonderful bed and breakfast called Mansion on Main. They served us I don't know, hors d'oeuvres, snacks at the end of the day when we would come in. Uh, we had a wonderful breakfast every morning, which, of course, was just stuffed full of Smithfield meats. And so on one of the days, I was given a tour uh, of the campus, and you, could, you couldn't help to smell the hickory, the oak odor that just it blanketed the whole town. And a few minutes after the tour started, our operations manager, the, the operations manager for Smithfield asked, do you smell that? And we we're like, yeah, we smell it. He goes, that, my friends, is the smell of money. And so that's what has stuck with me for 
the better part of 15 years uh, from my visit to Smithfield. I'm curious. Uh, I know that the mansion on Main is still in business. I wonder if they've grown any, if there's any local hotel chains there or not. But just a great, great experience. So also, if you stack all of the sausage patties that Waffle House serves in a single day on top of each other, it would be nearly four times the size of the Empire State Building. Again, this is coming from an establishment with just 2,100 locations. If you pour all of the cups of coffee that the Waffle House serves in one year, it would be enough to fill nearly eight Olympic-sized swimming pools. A few more facts. Every minute, they serve 341 strips of bacon, 238 hash brown orders, and we'll get more into hash browns as we get into this, 145 waffles, 127 cups of coffee every single minute, and 33 hamburgers every minute. So not bad for a place called the Waffle House, shelling out 33 hamburgers every single minute. Every Waffle House location is open 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. The restaurant even stages backup supplies and backup personnel to be ready to stay open in the event of hurricanes and other natural disasters. Because of the restaurant's dependable round-the-clock service, FEMA uses a very informal Waffle House index to gauge the severity of a natural disaster. Code green means all is well, and all the Waffle House restaurants are fully functioning. Code yellow means a limited menu is being served and the power may be out. Code red means the restaurant is closed and the sky might possibly be falling. Here's another interesting fact. Waffle House was once licensed to sell chicken sandwiches from Chick-fil-A. A A lot of people don't know this, but Chick-fil-A is also based in Atlanta. It seems that the sandwiches were so popular that people stopped ordering items off the Waffle House's regular menu So Waffle House punched out on the deal. So here's my Chick-fil-A story. So in the late 70s, my summers were spent in Black Mountain, North Carolina, at a place called Camp Ridgecrest. Wonderful, wonderful place. I think the camp has been probably in use for, I don't know, it's got to be 80 or 90 years. We had a very eclectic group of campers there. Mel Tillis' son, Mel Tillis Jr., uh, was there with me as well as a former Atlanta Falcons son, Taz Anderson, who played, I think he played for the Browns. I know he finished his career as an Atlanta Falcon. His son, Jeff, was there. Here's another story to go with that story. If you ever go up I-75-85 through Atlanta, through downtown, on the north side of the Varsity, which is another phenomenal Atlanta restaurant, there is a faux Olympic flame tower from the 1996 Olympics. Taz Anderson was responsible for that and aptly named the uh, that monument or that landmark as Taz's Tower. So back to Camp Ridgecrest. Another fellow camper was Truett Cathy's grandson. I don't recall his name at the time. But at that time, there was just a handful of Chick-fil-A locations, and most were inside a mall. There was very few freestanding fast food restaurants. And in the 70s, there, you know, there really wasn't. We had Burger King. I think Wendy's was around. And, of course, McDonald's. But there wasn't the abundance of fast food restaurants, definitely not drive throughs that there are nowadays. Well, every single summer, a shipment of, from Chick-fil-A, would they would ship in a huge shipment of chicken sandwiches to the camp. I mean, for kids from all across the country got their first taste of Chick-fil-A sandwiches, not in a brick-and-mortar building, but in the mountains of western North Carolina. Chick-fil-A went on to hire several of the counselors and campers 
as they expanded their locations across the country. And I believe a handful of them are still working there. I know that Camp Ridgecrest does recruiting uh, during the fall and spring at many of the Chick-fil-A restaurants throughout the uh, the South. I know they were over off of Orange Avenue in, uh, I guess, about two months ago, holding a kind of a recruiting drive at a Chick-fil-A there. There's also a few urban legends associated with Waffle House. And what I found with urban legends is that most of the time there's enough validity in what you're being told that actually makes it plausible. Well, while it's true that Waffle Houses are open 24-7, 365, even on Christmas, it's not true that the restaurants don't have locks on them, according to the actual Waffle House website. Also not true is that the keys to each new location are buried in the cement sidewalk out front. So I guess that was another rumor that was running around that they don't have locks on the doors. And just to back that up, they actually bury the keys for the non-existent locks in the sidewalk in front of the restaurant. So total fabrication, no truth to it. The other one that I hear on a fairly regular basis is that Waffle House is secretly in the real estate business. This makes sense to me. First of all, most of their locations are on very desirable pieces of land, usually right off the interstate, right off the uh, exit ramp or the entrance ramp, or right before the entrance ramp going onto the interstate. In Norcross, Georgia, there are two locations within a mile of each other on Jimmy Carter Boulevard. When our, my office used to be off of Beaver Ruin Road, off of I-85, and the same thing, there was one on the east side of the road and another location on the west side. Here's where this gets really plausible to me. Waffle House actually offers a surplus property website where real estate sites that are no longer going to be used as a Waffle House restaurant are available for purchase. And no, they cannot be reopened or refranchised as a Waffle House property. Now, what's interesting is that surplus property site is very tough to find. It's not directly linked off the WaffleHouse.com website, but it is there. So, I'm going to say there is some truth to that one. Waffle House has had its brushes with stardom as well. In October of 2007, Kid Rock was arrested after a 5 a.m. brawl inside one of their locations. In 2015, Kim Kardashian, Kanye, Chrissy Teigen, and John Legend all enjoyed a date together there. Waffle House is mentioned in close to a dozen rap songs. Here's my favorite. In 2016, Anthony Bourdain visited his very first Waffle House with Chef Sean Brock. Sean's a Southern chef. Bourdain opens the video. It's about a two-minute video. I'll see if I can embed it on the blog or put a link to it. Bourdain opens the video with this. It is indeed marvelous, an irony-free zone where everything is beautiful and nothing hurts, where everybody regardless of race, creed, color, or degree of inebriation, is welcome. More of the words than I would have used to describe a Waffle House, but I'm not nearly as poetic as Bourdain was. If you spend any time listening to the podcast, you know that when I travel, my tendency is to always eat local. I want to experience the area that I'm in, and there's no better way to do that than food and the stories that come along with that food. Sometimes local doesn't work out. And so my fallback is typically the tried and true, you know, the Buffalo Wild Wings, the Applebee's, the Brestaurants. Uh, Brestaurant is like your Hooters, your Twin Peaks, and I think Tilted Kilt, where the women are somewhat scantily clad. 
And then, of course, the, the true fallback is the Waffle House. And my order, if you watch the video, is very similar to Chef Sean's. It's a pecan waffle and hash browns. Simple to the point, guaranteed to fill me up. Now, the pecan waffles have a handful, possibly two handfuls of pecans cooked into the waffle batter. This isn't one of those thick hotel-style Belgian waffles that you see. This is prepared by a professional, and it eagerly awaits the butter and syrup that you're going to slather on top of it. Hash browns require a bit more thought. They come scattered, which is plain, and they come in three different sizes, regular, large, or triple. Now you've got to kick those hash browns up a bit, and you can order them in one of eight different ways, or you can order them all the way, which includes all of these eight. First, they're smothered. That's sautéed with onions. Covered. Covered with melted American cheese, and that's that good oily sliced cheese that you get in the... Uh, in the craft aisle at the grocery store, chunked with chunks of grilled hickory smoked ham, diced is with tomatoes, peppered, covered in jalapeno peppers, capped, comes complete with grilled button mushrooms, topped is with Burt's chili, and Burt was a uh, a grill or a, a cook at, I think, a location in Texas that about 20, 25 years ago came up with his own chili recipe, and it has since been put into production. And then finally, you can get it country style, which is with sausage gravy. Like I said, if you want all eight of those, you can just order it all the way, and they will definitely hook you up. If you're looking to immerse yourself in the true Waffle House culture, I encourage you to sit at the counter. It is truly the best seat in the house. And here's what you're going to do. First, you're going to look around on the floor. Normally, there will be a single red tile on the floor, and that's where the server will stand to call out your order to the person working the grill. It's called the mark. Whoever's standing on the mark gets the cook or the grill attendant's attention, and that's the first thing. Next, you'll hear the pull, which is the required meat for the orders, telling them to pull the meat out. So a serving of Waffle House bacon is three slices, so you'll hear pull one bacon, which is a signal for the cook to pull three pieces of bacon. If they go pull two bacon, that means six slices. Finally, you should hear the drop. That's the number of hash browns and their toppings. So you can also do something which is really cool is you can watch the plates on the grill line. Oftentimes, cook will place ketchup, jelly, mayonnaise packets around the outer edge of the plate. The cook uses those as markers so he knows what food items go on what plate. Honestly, I think you have to work there to understand that part of their system. There's, I've never found anything clear and concise about it, but I'm sure each grill chef has their own way of doing it. You know, with 2,100 locations, you are bound to come across one at some point. So I encourage you to stop in, order up some pecan waffles, do like I do, get it with a side of hash browns covered, which is just cheese. I promise you that your stomach will thank you. Feel free to leave a comment here a voice message at Anchor, or email me at travelfricket.com. Thanks for listening, safe travels, and have a great day. Hey, wait a second, don't go. Make sure you check out all the blogs over at hypeamerica.com. From food to travel to just general life humor, we cover all the topics. Thanks again.